Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 14th. It is six minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So U.S. stock market opened higher as regional banks surged this morning, more than 50% in a stunning rebound. President Biden's guarantee to protect depositors at the failed Silicon Valley Bank is crony capitalism, though. That's what Vivek Ramaswamy said. He said that during an interview. He also said that the Silicon Valley Bank was mismanaged and tech companies were foolish to invest. Now, I know you're totally enamored with Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm -hmm. You get the twinkle in your eye whenever you say his name because, well, he's rich and young and an up-and-comer. Smart. Yeah, KCC and Dollar Sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, but How yes. big is his wallet? Yeah, that's absolutely mm-hmm. right. Uh, and that's fun. No problem with that. But here he is blasting Biden, bailing out people with over. And this is what we've talked about. The the, the o- people with over $250,000 in the account. Mm-hmm. You see the sign. Yeah. You know the rules. Right. It's posted everywhere. Yeah. You can put up to two hundred fifty k in here and it will be protected. After that, you're on your own. Right. And yet people with over two hundred fifty k are being protected. They're not on their own. That wasn't the rule. Then why did you say it was the rule? Here's uh, Casey's new boyfriend, Vivek Ramaswamy, (laughs) on that. I think they did not. I think this is crony capitalism all the way down. Because here's what happened. SVB did take excessive risk due to mismanagement. And you know who else took excessive risk were a bunch of tech companies in Silicon Valley that put way more money in SVB than they should have. The way capitalism works is that people are held accountable for their own decisions. But instead, you know what happened? The government stepped in to save them. And here's the dirty little secret. Silicon Valley Bank and their cronies for years argued that banks like SVB were subject to looser requirements for capital, looser risk requirements, precisely because they said we're never going to be systemically important. So the government will never have to save us. So we get to take more risk. Well, guess what? In their hour of need, they call on the government for help anyway. And they tithe at this temple of ESG. They made a $5 billion commitment last year to sustainable and green operations for a healthier planet without focusing on a healthier balance sheet. But I'll tell you, they knew what they were doing because you know what? In their hour of need, that's the virtue signaling that ends up paying off. And while I blame Biden, this is really more of a uniparty problem. Many Republicans are also captured by the Silicon Valley donor class. So he goes on to say, we have one set of rules for everyday Americans where we say $250,000 is the maximum. And then you have another set of rules for the likes of Silicon Valley Bank, where when things go wrong, the rules go out the window. Yeah. So uh, Representative Warren Davidson, he's a Republican U.S. rep. He was on Newsmax yesterday Mm -hmm. and uh, he gave a rather gloomy outlook on if other banks uh, could follow down the same path as what we've seen the last couple of days. When you look at what the root issue is, fundamentally, you have a mismatch between the value of money. So when uh, banks take their deposits, uh, a lot of the assets they hold on their books are U.S. Treasuries. And in 2020, in December of 2020, the Treasury, uh, the Federal Reserve was saying, hey, we expect rates to stay super low for a really long time. At that time, it was 0.1 percent. Today, interest is at four and a half percent. All of this is set by the Fed. Uh, And so when you know, there's a demand for withdrawals. The banks have to generate cash. Um, so when they sell those bonds that they were hoping to hold to maturity, 
uh, and they liquidate them to get cash to hand out to uh, their, their, their customers, uh, they have to take a big discount. Uh, you know, so the bond essentially gets priced as if it would have to pay out at four and a half percent or markets wouldn't be functioning correctly. So bonds are supposed to be low risk investment, right? right You're supposed right. to you buy those and they're supposed to be really good and you hold on to them for long term. But what happened here is these banks had to cash in on mm-hmm. them, right? Because, because they were doing crap like allowing people to leverage Loans mm-hmm. with cryptocurrency, Casey. Mm-hmm. Crypto, yeah, something that changes day to day. Why, why would that be a thing? Like, let's just take the government out of the equation. Government rules, regulations, whatever. If you are a person who runs a financial institution, let's see what the Bitcoin price is at right now. Okay, so it's at twenty six. So it's about forty thousand off. Now it's up. Remember, it was down to about sixteen. Mm-hmm. But it's about forty thousand off its high. Why would you, as someone who runs a financial institution, possibly allow someone to make sizable withdrawals from your bank, and the leverage you have against them is this fluctuating is thing crypto. that you have no idea from one day to the next what it's going to be worth? Yeah. Okay. So what? The federal government just sending a message to the American people that there are different rules. For different people, if you're part of the favored class, they're going to help you out, but bailouts for some, but not for others. And isn't this just more than a bailout of Silicon Valley Bank? It's almost a bailout for Silicon Valley. Everything it is, it is the real whose line is it anyway, Mm -hmm. where the game is made up and the rules don't matter, and the rich and the powerful will always be protected because nobody plays by the rules anymore. Casey. Yeah. When we come back, mm-hmm. I have two things I would like to get to with okay. you, if that's okay. Yeah. There is a very interesting new poll out about Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. and I need to talk to you. <laughs> I need to go back in the time You're machine. You're going to make me talk about Pete Buttigieg, aren't you? I'm going to make you talk about this okay. poll about Pete Buttigieg, okay. where apparently everybody wants him to quit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we have to go way back in the time machine mm-hmm. to a simpler, gentler time in which people communicated in a more civilized manner. I'm talking about the classified ads. <laughs> okay. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. After 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So trending this hour, Mitch McConnell. Do you remember uh, he went to the hospital after he fell and hit his head? He has been released from the hospital and he is now in rehabilitation. Also trending, Oprah Winfrey. She has announced her 100th book. Oh, you know, she does that book club. Yeah. She's uh, picking Anne Napolitina's Hello Beautiful, uh, which is a modern day version of Little Women. You, well, of course. Well, who wouldn't want to read that? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever bought a book from the Oprah book recommendation? No. Okay. No. And I would not, based on a recommendation from Oprah. Really? Like, I wouldn't be 
convince. Like, well, oh, yeah, I got to get that. What if I gave you a book to read? Would you read that book based I have, on my recommendation? I, I have read some books okay, that you have given me. Very good. Me. Excellent. Yeah. But not Oprah. Okay. Is that weird? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's I'll normal. I'll listen to Rob Kendall, but not Oprah no, Winfrey. I think that's why you're so happy. <laughs> look, at, look at the position in life you're in. Also trending is Aaron Rodgers. A lot of talk that the Jets are uh, pretty close to signing him to come play. Isn't it so weird how Aaron Rodgers' path in football totally mirrors that of Brett Favre? Mm. I mean, from the, you know, kind of nobody believing in them in the beginning. He had to sit for a while. Favre came over from the Falcons to this rise in career, one of the all-time greats for the same team. They both won one Super Bowl, multiple MVPs, kind of standoffish. Will they retire? Won't they retire every year? And now it looks like both will end their Packer careers getting traded to the Mm -hmm. New York Jets. Finally trending this hour, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, boy. Yeah, the meta bloodbath continues. He has confirmed another 10,000 people will be laid off, 13% of its remaining staff. Isn't it interesting, and you see this a lot with technology, where these technology guys, and you also see this a lot with other industries, where someone may be really good at one thing. Like, here's a great example. Vince McMahon became a billionaire on the back of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's the greatest professional wrestling promoter that ever lived. He's turned it into a multi-billion dollar industry. Undoubtedly a genius when it comes to promoting wrestling. He has failed at basically every other business venture he has had, whether it's been movies or the XFL or he tried promoting you know boxing and variety of other sports. Yet it's like the they're good at this one thing, mm-hmm. and they aren't good at anything outside of that. And I would think that would be especially hard in the technology world, where it is an ever moving, you know, industry. Where a year from now, the thing that you did that was so revolutionary now is it's so old, it could be obsolete. Obsolete. Yeah. And, and I think what you have seen with Zuckerberg is he was a obviously a really brilliant guy in terms of being able to invent and then create and grow this Facebook thing in this Facebook space, mm-hmm. but yet he has really struggled to transition or reinvent Facebook as anything other than what it is. Yeah, he says that the new this will be the new economic reality. It's going to continue for yeah. years. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Kev and I were chatting uh, before the hour mm-hmm. about, you know, we play Rupert Holmes' answering machine mm-hmm. as the voicemail song. Right. And Kev and I got in a conversation because Answering Machine was, I believe, a top 40 hit for Rupert Holmes, but it didn't have any sort of staying power or immense success compared to Escape, which is his... The Pina Colada song. The Pina Colada song. I mean, he's not really a one-hit wonder in the sense of he had another top 40 hit, but he is basically a one-hit wonder. Mm -hmm. And so Kev and I got in a conversation about (laughs) these artists who can you know, catch lightning in a bottle or however you want to describe it and write this incredibly lyrically amazing song, which I maintain... You the, think that's lyrically the, amazing? Oh, the, oh, I, I, th- I, I think he can rhyme. The Pina Colada <laughs> song lyrically, Casey. He can rhyme, Casey, there is so much going on in the Pina Colada okay. song. I mean, he is... These these two people are married and literally in, in bed together, and mm-hmm. they are both actively engaged in attempting to have promiscuous behavior on each other. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole buildup and anticipation of what the hell is going to happen in this song. And then it's 
themselves right. meeting each other. I mean, uh-huh. it's sick, it's twisted, it's morbid, it's awful. And then these two realize they're both trying to cheat on each other. And then instead of both being livid with each other and causing a scene, they just laugh it off mm-hmm. and run right into history together. Yes. It is... Uh, Lyrically, there's just so much going on. It's one of the ten greatest lyric lyrical pieces ever written in the history of music. I love the I love that song so much. It's a good story. Um, but but we, then we got on a conversation about because it centers around classified the classifieds. Yes, and Kev because he is but a baby, way mm-hmm. too young to remember the classifieds. But for more aged people like us. <laughs> Certainly, maybe you, Casey. More experience. The classifieds. Mm-hmm. What, and I'm not just talking about like... Who, you know, Herbert Hoover was the uh, FBI director when I was born. That's what? How, that's how old I am. Hoover? No, no way. Hoover was the FBI director? Yes. When you were born? Yes. No way. Way. They were still landing men on the moon even. Wow, that's a, that shows how long Hoover was the... And it's J. Edgar Hoover, not Herbert Hoover. What, what did I say? Hoover? Herbert Hoover would have done a better job right. than J. Edgar Hoover. That's really old. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're not going back that far. Yeah. Um, Herbert Hoover was the president. Right. Uh, Wrong Hoover. Oversaw the economic collapse of the country. Um, well, you know. Yeah, uh, the, um, no wonder I'm confused. But there was a time in yeah. which the classified ads, and I'm not just talking about like people looking for hookups like in mm-hmm. the Pina Colada song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the classified ads in general were a staple of American living. Mm-hmm. And I used to love, Casey, when I was younger in school, to read the classified ads because it was like in the pre-internet world, there was this whole... It was Remember how when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, they told him, if you go past a certain point, you're going to fall off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I don't think that's right. I just... There's got to be something else out there. Mm-hmm. That was, for me, the classified ads. You'd see somebody placing an ad in Greenwood, mm-hmm. or you'd see it in Greenfield, mm-hmm. or Carmel, or Kokomo. And you're like, there is a whole other world out there so far where away. someone has a used sofa for sale. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like Columbus wondered, what else is out there? Yeah. And none of that exists anymore because it's all at your fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, it's just been replaced with Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. But think about there was a time and where you looked you looked forward to getting the paper, Casey. And the and dating is now the apps. Exactly. Tinder and Match and whatnot. You know what Sally looks like. You know when mm-hmm. you're reading the personality of Sally or what Sally is looking for. Mm-hmm. You know the face behind that. Back back in the day, she could look like uh, Cindy Crawford, mm-hmm. or there's a better chance she looked like Marge Schott. Well, you just didn't know. It was always SWF seeks <laughs> SWM non-smoker. Yeah. You uh-huh. know, with your description. Yeah. And that's the song, right? Yeah. It was the intrigue of, I feel some sort of bizarro connection to this person mm-hmm. or even if it's not a person, even if it's not dating, I am reading this description of this thing and without even seeing it. Now it's, you know, there's pictures. You can look at the couch or the refrigerator or the whatever. And this description alone has captivated my attention to where it's almost an Indiana Jones-esque quest now Mm -hmm. where I must go see this thing, Mm -hmm. having no idea whether I'm walking into a viperous pit of murderers and uh, robbers but I'm willing to risk it because I must know if the thing is as I envision it in my mind. And it was always right next to the help wanted ads too. Mm -hmm. And the newspapers would have an employee who actually 
I sell the classified ads. I mean, that was like a job. <laughs> yes. Right? And it was big business. What do they do now? Yes. They're not working there doing that they, now. They, don't, they, they can't. It's been years since I have held, uh, held a newspaper, like a, a, a indie star or whatever in my mm-hmm. hand. It, they have to. They, there's no way they sell classified ads anymore, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I can't imagine. It's a absolute. Like you can't live off of ten dollars a week, <laughs> right? There's no money in that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just a. Uh, totally just got off on a. All been replaced with digital tangent. But Kevin and I were just talking about that song, and uh, I said, mm-hmm. Casey, you're. You're like me. You're seasoned enough to remember the classified ads. Let's take people down a, on a stroll down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Okay, should we talk about Pete Buttigieg yes, in this Let, poll? Let's do it. A majority of likely voters want him to resign for how he handled the train derailment in Ohio. So what they were asked the question, should Buttigieg resign as a result of how the Transportation Department handled the recent train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio? 51% said he should resign, followed by 36% who said he should not, and 13% who said, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I also enjoy, though, that the train derailment is what mm-hmm. did it for the people, not the uh, the supply chain mm-hmm. issues, not the ability to not get things out of port, not mm-hmm. the airlines, mm-hmm. uh, just a bevy of transportation-related nightmares one after another the past two and a half years. Uh, but this, this is what did it for him. Do you remember when he was escorted away from the media while his press secretary was saying, I'll answer your questions, <laughs> yes. but don't record me. Yes. But here's the question. Can you name a former, uh, you probably yeah. can. Can the average person name a former transportation secretary? Well, the last one uh, was Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow. Okay. Under Trump. Okay. So there you go. What do I win? What have I won? What's in the classifieds that I'm taking home with me today? A Coke and a smile and a pat on the back. <laughs> but no, but okay, so this is the point. You, Off- you've got to be pretty awful at your job for people to know right. who you are right. when and, you're the transportation and secretary. And this is what happens, and this happens all the time in government. Like, I cannot stress to people, especially at the state and federal level, the amount of unqualified buffoons mm-hmm. who get these positions because of who they've supported in the election, Mm -hmm. this just happens to be a super high-profile one where the the results are unavoidable and make national news. I guarantee you at the State House right now, there are, uh, and in the government center, I know, I worked with them, people who have no business, you wouldn't let them watch your kids for a day, Mm -hmm. much less be responsible for something that involves 7 million people in the state, and they are without any sort of objection or pushback or anything, not only taking taxpayer money in the form of a paycheck and benefits every day, they are making key decisions Mm -hmm. that affect everyone's lives. Well, he's definitely been AWOL during multiple national crises over the past couple of years. All right, Casey, when we come back, you know, I often get asked, because you talk about these meetings I go to Mm -hmm. and the government events when I speak, like, Mm -hmm. what what does it sound like when you do this? And I think people envision me (laughs) going off the rails or me screaming or yelling. And so last night I had the great misfortune of going to the uh, Brownsburg School Board meeting. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? That's where they are reinstating the DEI officer, but they changed the name of the DEI officer. Right. Then we caught 
the job description and posted it, so they didn't vote on it last month. Then they changed the general description of the position, and then we caught when you have to dig way into the position that it actually is still the DEI officer. They voted on that last night, Mm -hmm. and so I thought, well, for the fun of our audience, I would play me wasting my time going to speak to these people, and how serious they took all of my very Mm -hmm. valid questions. You were a lot calmer than I was expecting. I was, and thankfully, the school board there in Brownsburg, they really, Casey, they really dug into my questions. Mm-hmm. They really got to the Spent bottom a lot of, of it. Time they, on it. They really took very seriously about, you know, the allegations of, you know, maybe you guys are kind of being shady on this. Maybe you're not being honest with the taxpayers. Could you clarify some of these things for mm-hmm. me? The school board, well, they really got to the bottom of it. So we'll play my questions to them mm-hmm. and we'll show their response which indicates how serious school boards really take the taxpayers. Okay, we'll get into it. It's 93 WIBC. 1134, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So a board of education, school committee, or school board is a board of directors or board of trustees of a school, local school district, or equivalent institution, right? Let me, an elected let, council. Yeah, and let me interpret that for you. In many communities like the one I live, they mm-hmm. are uh, four absolute radical left morons who have no idea what they're doing who <laughs> just roll over and when the superintendent says jump, they say how high. Mm-hmm. Now, they're supposed to be the guardian of the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. That does not... now. Elected officials in any office are supposed to be a guardian of the taxpayer. That is the number one job. It happens less in school boards than in any other position in the state or the country, which is the exact opposite of the way it should be because the schools spend more money than any taxing unit in the state or in the country. But as I have been told many times by many a school board member in many a community, including the one that I live in, we don't represent the taxpayers. We represent the children. Oh, okay. So the children now are pay, apparently mm-hmm. going to be paying the property mm-hmm. taxes. But uh, yes, yes, Casey, that is a, a fair uh, legal description of a school board and what they're, uh, they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I went last night. We talked about this on the air. Um, and look, this, is, this stuff is happening all over our state and the fact that our lawmakers don't see it or don't care i'm still torn and i think it's a mixture of both i think there are lawmakers in central indiana who know what's going on but they are so afraid of challenging the public education system that they deflect deny hide their head in the sand and then i think there are rural lawmakers who, because it hasn't hit them yet, Mm -hmm. they are not willing to help out and they are naive enough to believe that the radical leftism that is infecting school boards across central Indiana will not be at their doorstep very soon. Look at the growth, Casey. The growth is the cause of this as these people, it's the same thing when people move from like, say, California to Texas. They bring their politics with them. They bring the stuff that they were fleeing with them Mm -hmm. and make that place like the place that they left. That's what's happening, as you have seen, and we talked about this yesterday and I believe last week, as these communities have changed due to city and town councils allowing massive unaccountable growth to take place the people who are moving out to these places are not people who bring the values that those places have always had right. with them right so it will happen in these rural communities it is happening in these rural communities and the fact that these lawmakers don't see it it will be too late by the time they realize by the time it happens but yeah. um 
And so we had talked about one specific instance in which these school boards, because they are basically without account now because the school board members don't have to declare a party affiliation and the fact that they can hide who they are and the lefties already know who the other lefties are but yet when you couple the lefties with the Susie bakes brownies Susie's a soccer mom Mm -hmm. uh Susie's kid is friends with my kid it's an unbeatable coalition without the party affiliation and so these school boards now and then these superintendents who are propped up by these school boards because they School board, most local elected officials have absolutely no idea what they're doing. People need to realize whether it's a town or city council, a county council, a county commissioners, most of these people have no idea what they're doing. They're not capable of understanding what they read. They just put, whether it's a town manager, a city manager, a county manager, a superintendent, oh, this person has a totally like-minded view of me, so whatever they say, Mm -hmm. as long as they say it, we're going to do it. And I'm going to play you a very specific instance of this right here when I went to the Brownsburg School Board meeting last night, how clueless, dumb, un- uninquisitive these people are. So we had laid out that the superintendent, Jim Snap, mm-hmm. had told parents uh, in January, he had had a meeting with a group of parents, concerned parents, who many didn't want to go. I had made the mistake of advising them to go. I said, let's try to play nice. Yeah. Let's hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. They went. They asked him, you had this DEI officer. She was a disaster. Right. We told you she was going to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. She just magically disappeared. Mm -hmm. What's going on with that? And he told them, yeah, that didn't work out. We're not going to bring that person back. And everybody said, okay, great. We got a point of commonality. Mm -hmm. Somebody with something we can all agree on. Let's all hold hands and maybe we can walk forward together. Well, two months later, Casey... Little birdie inside the Brownsburg School Corporation, a, a worker over there who knows what these people are, but is not going to risk uh, publicly associating with me for fear of, you know, getting dismissed, sent me this job description of the director of student learning. And right in the middle of the general description, it says that they're in charge of diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a very polite way, as I always do, raised my hand and said, uh, hey, um, Mr. Superintendent, you just told the parents that you weren't bringing the DEI officer back. And here's this position mm-hmm. that we're told is going to be voted on. And right there, it says uh, a DEI. Well, magically, didn't make it on the agenda in February. And the superintendent explained that by saying, Puh! You're just dividing the community. Every job in Brownsburg schools has a DEI component to it now. Mm -hmm. So finally, the new director of student learning made it to the agenda. And magically, Casey, as we read yesterday, under the general description, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, had disappeared Mm -hmm. from the description. And so you're thinking, well, maybe... Maybe it's like Scrooge. Maybe he'd been visited by the ghosts of... Uh, DEI officer passed. Yeah, failed <laughs> six-figure Brownsburg School Corporation okay. employees passed, and it changed his mind. Yeah. But then when you read right. down into the nuts and bolts mm-hmm. and the essential functions mm-hmm. now, because most people wouldn't read that far, well, then it said that it was in charge of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to waste my time and go to the meeting last night and have my comments ignored in the order in which we are received. Now, keep in mind, remember, the general theme of this segment we're doing here is how uninquisitive and 
just generally dim-witted and incapable of intelligent thought the school board is. So before we get to that, we're climaxing to something here, Casey. We're going up the hill. It's like the guy on Price is Right, the mountain climber, climbing up the hill. Yeah. People always ask, what are you like at these at these meetings? Are you off the rails? Are right. you screaming? Right. I'm very calm, mm-hmm. very reasonable. And I thought, well, we'll just play mm-hmm. a little bit of the audio of me asking the question about why this job that clearly says the person is in charge of diversity, equity, inclusion is not a DEI officer. Go ahead. So if we're not bringing back the DEI officer, which I believe Dr. Snap told the parents at that meeting did not work, and Ms. Heffernan said she did not support bringing back the DEI officer, how is someone who, quote, focused on equity, diversity, and inclusion not a DEI officer? Why was this moved out of the general description and down to item number seven on the essential functions? I'd appreciate as we have the, again, no doubt, robust discussion on this tonight to determine why that got moved, why the language was moved, what it went into that discussion to move that language, and why it was moved down to essential functions and how someone is focused on equity, diversity, and inclusion that is different from the DEI officer we previously had, who Dr. Snap, I believe, admitted to parents that didn't work out very well. So before we get to the school board's uh, response, because obviously, right. I mean, this is a big position. Clearly, yeah. there are many unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to play you the mm-hmm. school board's actual response before they vote. So it has not been, well, it has been slightly edited, you'll know, but it has not been doctored in the sense of no words have been changed. Nobody has in any way, shape, or form changed what the people said. The superintendent did give a presentation. And you know what he said, Casey? What? Well, yeah, okay, the same job stuff from the old DEI officer exists yeah. in this new de- description, uh-huh. but we gave this person a whole bunch of other responsibilities. So this is just one element of it. Right. So okay. sure, they're going to do the DEI stuff, which we really allegedly was not coming back, Yeah. but we gave this person a whole bunch of other responsibilities, so it, it's not even the same thing. Right. They're really not going to focus okay. on that. So after his long, I believe it was about seven and a half minute bloviation, which mm-hmm. by the way, I feel good that I I really made the superintendent waste a whole bunch of his time because he went way back in the official records mm-hmm. and decades back and trying to just prove how this wasn't any big deal. So at least I accomplished that. Here is him turning it over after his presentation mm-hmm. to the school board okay. for the vote. We can time this at home, Casey, Ooh. on how much time the school board spent actually debating and discussing. They did not talk during his presentation, so this will be the full amount of time okay. the school board spent the on questions, discussion, and debate in regards to this very highly controversial position with all sorts of previously unanswered questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. So, uh, at this time, recommend approval of the director's student learning position. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. All those same time. Aye. Motion passes. So, Casey, with the superintendent teeing it up for them on are there any questions and the crickets, which indeed, full disclosure, I did insert the crickets. There were sure. not actually crickets chirping. Right. How long did that last? 22.63 seconds. 22.3 seconds. 
Six three. Six three seconds. Mm-hmm. So you have this major issue in which there have been major changes made, in which clearly the community is is concerned about it, and you get twenty two point six three seconds from your school board. You probably had about two seconds of crickets in there. So really, we're talking twenty seconds. And when you take out the superintendent saying, "I will," whatever he said, "I'll be happy to see if there are any questions being taken." Mm-hmm. Probably about. 16 seconds mm-hmm. on this topic. Yeah. The prosecution rests, Your Honor, on how <laughs> stupid, uninquisitive, uninformed, and incapable of doing anything on their own elected officials at the school board level are in the state of Indiana, at least in the town of Brownsburg. It's Kennel and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ten minutes in front of 12, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And if you had second thoughts about moving to a new home in the past year, you're not alone. New survey came out that said three out of four Americans say they had regrets about relocating last year. You moved. I did. And you know what? It was like a year ago right now. Really? Well, because it was on Friday that David Wood offered me the job uh-huh. and I gave a three hour notice and bailed on my last job. And yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> came right down to Indy and started looking for a place to live. I was. Uh, it was fascinating that you took the job because I tried to be as awful to work with as possible, <laughs> both on our initial Zoom call and in the uh, little mock show we did together. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you so wanted to do this by yourself. And you so, uh, well, yeah, and we're honest with our audience here. I uh, desperately wanted to work by myself, but if I had to work with anyone, I'm glad it was you because it's worked out very well. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Do you. So other than having to work with me, do you regret have, making the move? No, not at all. Uh, the best part, obviously, my decision was based on being closer to my daughter yeah. who's at Purdue mm-hmm. and, psh, you know, she's an hour. Yeah. So, so that's great. And you live like five minutes from work, which is great. Well, and that was intentional because when uh, we were looking for a place, I didn't, you know, we we originally started looking in Carmel, Westfield, Fisher, Zionsville, Uh that northern part of Indy. And I did not want my daily commute to be a half hour to 45 minutes one way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to spend 90 minutes in the car. Sure. So we looked closer to the downtown area and uh, found a, a nice little neighborhood, luckily. And yeah, totally. Totally cut down my commute time, but a lot of people not excited that they moved really? over the past year. A lot of the regrets include, well, obviously the cost, mm-hmm. the hassle of moving, yep. missing items that were lost in their move, oh, yeah. simply not liking their new home. <laughs> Why would you buy a home you don't like? Yeah, well, a lot of people, you know, they were just trying to get in someplace because of the shortage of housing and what's available, and you Mm -hmm. end up just settling, I guess, for a place that you you really wouldn't have liked. But under pressure, they just picked. So the top reasons that uh, people regret, they wish they had a bigger place. Mm -hmm. They miss their old home. Oh. They wish they would have got rid of more stuff. Wow. You move enough times and you'll you'll get rid of that stuff mm-hmm. really quick. Uh, it was too much of a hassle. It took too long. It was too expensive. I And by the way, I have been to your house numerous times. Mm-hmm. You, uh, that was not a problem for you because you got nothing. Well, I'm... I'm 
What do you mean? I mean, like your house in terms of it is like very well spaced. It's oh, it's very, not not cluttered. Yes, is that's that what, what I, you mean. Yes, yeah. I mean, like you are not a hoarder of things. No. Now your man mm-hmm. strikes me as someone who would hang on to stuff more than you would. <laughs> he does. Yeah, exactly. He I know does. you guys, but yeah. you, on the other hand, I mean, it is. You what does that say about me? No, no sen- sen- sentimentality. Oh yeah, you, get rid of it. You, you're not afraid to kill someone in their sleep. It's fine. <laughs> oh, nice, Rob. Uh, also, people regret uh, regret uh, they wish they'd move to a smaller place, yeah, less to clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the combination of inflation and increased interest rates led a lot of people to scale back on their plans. What, did any? Did it's a question? Did anybody put in there? They're really glad they live next to their parent, but they are just. Just beside themselves at the fact that the uh, road scholars and intellectual giants in the local government keep building warehouses on every corner. Did no. anyone mention that one as no. an answer? That, okay, that's no, uh, but clearly no one in Brownsburg was surveyed. Okay, the Pew Research recently did a study, and they said around 60 million American households are now being multi generational. Oh yeah, and that's a number that has quadrupled, uh-huh. quadrupled. Yeah, quadrupled, quadrupled yeah. since the 70s. Uh-huh. And the demand for multi-generational housing is getting higher. Developers are actually designing mm-hmm. and marketing properties with that in mind That's- so that people like you can be with yeah. or very close to to mom and yeah, dad. Yeah, I told my parents they're never living with me. That's why we moved close together so I can be there, but they're never living with me. However, mm-hmm. you hit on something which is, I think, smart. If you could design a home mm-hmm. where you could just like wall off your parents. Like a duplex, then, maybe? Then if you never had to see them or anything, then it might economically <laughs> be a good move long term. I think they have designed that. It's it's called a duplex or mother-in-law suite. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job today, and thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Don't know what to do.